He is worthy. I am not. Not that anyone would be mistaken by that. Um, one of the, um, I think the, I don't know if this is the right way to, to phrase this, but one of the worldly examples of sacrifice um, is those who have willingly gone to fight wars, um, have willingly gone, put themselves in harm's way for the sake of others. Um, and yesterday, of course, was Veterans Day, and, and I, I think it would be good to at least say thank you to those in our body uh, that may be here this morning uh, who have done that. And so if you're a veteran, I would love it if you just stand for a second and we could say thank you to your service and for willingly put your line on the line for us. <laughs> While that's the world's expression it's a biblical model, right? It's, it comes from uh, the perspective that we get from Jesus who came to give his life for others. He came to take on the, the, the fight for us. He came and won the war for us. Uh, the amazing thing, just like with so often with the Israelites, uh, but so often he did the fighting. The Israelites didn't have to. Just things would happen. He, he would just move and work in miraculous ways. And, and uh, he continues to do so in our world today. Um, he is a God who is continuing to be alive and well and continuing to work and to have his way in this world. And it's, um, it's amazing to see the things that he can do and the things that he does do on our behalf. So much, I think, that we don't even recognize. We don't see behind you know, the scenes in essence, right? We uh, come to the end of the book of Acts this morning. Um, with what it, I think in some sense for me is, and maybe for you as well, I'll read the chapter here in a moment, but is a strange ending to this book. Um, if you remember, probably don't, but I will remind you now, uh, my first message on the book of Acts was back in uh, the end of February. And the title of that message um, was Book of Revival. And indeed, as we've walked through Acts, we see that it is a book about revival. Uh, we see the Holy Spirit show up and empower the disciples and then to continue to go out from the disciples and empower others and, and just continue to expand. Uh, the amazing things that we see throughout the book of Acts, these historical of events of thousands coming to the Lord in one day, right? Of, of, 
of, of hundreds being healed in a moment, of, of even the, the handkerchief of Paul being taken around and actually bringing healing. All of these things are, are signs of revival of people who have not only recognized and encountered the risen Jesus, but who have been so impacted by that encounter that they can't help but tell everybody they come in contact with. As we come to the end of the book, I felt this week that while the book of Acts is indeed a book of revival, it's also a book of mission. Revival is often what uh, we would identify is what God does in us. Revival is a spiritual thing. Revival is a spirit-initiated, spirit-prompted, spirit-motivated uh, movement where we individuals and usually lots of individuals recognize that we have a Savior. In that, we come to our knees in repentance and we receive the gift of salvation. But the gift of salvation is never an ending. The, the gift of salvation doesn't stop once we receive it. The gift of salvation is meant to infect <laughs> the entire globe. Every person on the planet. That's the mission field. That's who's Jesus, who Jesus is seeking. He's the, that's who he's pursuing. And as those who have received the salvation, we are adopted into the family. And by being adopted into the family, we are adopted into the family business, the family mission. This last chapter, I think, is abrupt intentionally by the author, Luke. It's abrupt in the sense that we just leave Paul sitting in basically home arrest, sharing the gospel. We don't hear the end of Paul. We don't hear about his death. There's no record of that. You would think as the way we've been going through, you know, the kind of the last, you know, half of this book has been centered on Paul and all his missions and all the things he's been doing. And, and you would think that there would be a point like, okay, now we're at the, the end is when Paul is done. It doesn't. It doesn't stop there. It leaves him. It leaves him in the space. And, and I think that's intentional because I think God... God's mission isn't done. The revival is still reviving. It's still moving. And the mission is still before us. Continuing even to this day. And as, uh, as such, I, I think there are two kind of concluding, I think, remarks maybe that Luke messages, you will, if you will, that Luke is trying to maybe make or, or remind us of or encourage us with as we take up the mission, the family business, and move forward. The first, I think, message has to do with just being intentional about continuing the mission. The second has to do with us recognizing that this gospel is indeed 
for all the world. Let's read Acts chapter 28. After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. And the native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to, said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. Though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. From murderer to God. That should have been maybe the title of the sermon. Right? <laughs> now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, he healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. After three months, we set sail in a ship that has wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and a ride in Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Putioli. They were found brothers, and were there, there we found brothers, and were invited to stay with them for seven days, and so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as from Apius and three taverns to meet, uh, meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldiers who guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had not done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because they was, there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Although I had no charge to bring against my nation, for this reason, therefore, I have asked, you to see, asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. And they said to him, we have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are. For with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement 
The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's hearts have, has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He was there two whole years at his own expense, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That's it. That's the end of Acts. So as we see, I think, uh, you know, the, uh, Paul or uh, Luke's final, the author of Acts, final words to us are, first of all, an encouragement to continue the mission. Again, we have joined Jesus. The moment we uh, were adopted into the family, we joined Jesus in his mission to save the world. It, it doesn't stop with us. When we are adopted in, there's more to be adopted. And so we become a part of the team, the, the working crew that goes out and helps to bring in this new, these new adopted folks. Now, certainly not all of us will travel like Paul traveled. There are some who are missionaries that go to the far reaches of our world. They go to the places uh, abroad. They go to the places that are dark. They go to the places that are beyond us. And they go to far away places, if you will. Not all of us are called to that. Not all of us are going to be traveling missionaries, but all of us are called to join Jesus in his work. We have to understand this reality and drive it into our brains that, uh, that the mission that all of us have is to join Jesus in what he is doing. And what is Jesus doing? He is working to save the world. All of us have a role to play in that. Certainly, all of us may not reap the harvest but all of us are gardeners in preparing the harvest at the very minimum. It is a great blessing to be able to reap, but for too long evangelism has been tied to, to reaping and reaping only. The evangelist is the one who goes and reaps. No, the evangelist is all of us. Every one of us are called to be his witnesses, Acts 1, 8. You will be my witnesses. It's not something that we make a choice about. It's not something that, you know, we get to qualify for. It's not something that we have to develop into. You will be my witnesses. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And as you encounter Jesus, you will share your encounter with others. Evangelism is not just reaping, it's gardening and reaping. It's all together. It's sometimes it's planting the seed. It's sometimes watering the seed. It's sometimes cultivating the seed. It's sometimes actually reaping. All of it is included. We have this one thing. As we know Jesus, 
as we, as we understand who he is, as we get to know him, as we get to know who's created us to be, we get to join him in his work. This is why our mission statement is focused on enjoying our relationship with Jesus. It's not, our, our vision statement is about focusing on Jesus. It doesn't mean that it's not about mission. It's about the fact that he is our access to the mission. Too many times we go out and try to do the mission on our own, under our own power, with our own ideas, with our own thoughts, with our own strategies. Those, he's blessed those, don't get me wrong. He can use those. But the, the position that we should always be in is as worshipers seeing Jesus, knowing Jesus, understanding Jesus, being with Jesus, being aware of Jesus, and joining Jesus. He has the strategy. He has the direction. He has the things that we need to do. He has the words that we need to speak. We share our encounters with Jesus, with the world, in all circumstances. What we have freely received, we seek to freely give. To freely give it away. To not hold it ourselves, but to give it for, other, for the sake of others. And we do this in the storm, in the midst of the storms of life. Going along with the message last week about the fact that, you know, storms are going to come, but he is with us in that. But the second aspect of that was the fact that there are storms around us raging in the lives of others. Are we going to those storms? Because we are called into those storms. Again, do we understand that the call to get out of our comfort zone is a call to join Jesus in his mission? in his pursuit of the lost, in his desire to restore creation back to the way it was meant to be. And so we share the gospel in the midst of our own storms, but we also share the gospel in the midst of other people's storms as we step into those, those storms intentionally, purposefully, in order to help to bring calm to the wind and the waves, in order to bring truth and goodness and love. We share the gospel also when we're sitting by the fire. <laughs> I love the imagery of everyone sitting around the fire. Uh, have you ever been camping before? You know, family camp, right? Start, you know, they strike up that fire at the end of the night, right? And, and, and you just, I love, I, I love fire. You just, everybody gathers around and you kind of lights kind of flickering around, right? You know, for us men, we, we like to not be able to have to make eye contact when we're talking, right? And so a fire is so great for men to just talk, right? Because there's no eye contact because you can't really see each other's eyes, right? But it's so beautiful, like this coming together around the fire. And I, I imagine that image here, like that Paul and, and all of the 200, 176 guys who were on this, you know, this boat that they're all hanging out, right? Or 69, whatever it was. I don't know whatever the number was. Anyway, so anyway, they're all hanging out around fires, right? And having these kind of conversations. 
sweet conversations. I, I imagine Paul, again, being Paul, he's probably talking about Jesus. And then the snake bites him, right? And it's crazy. It's just crazy. We share the gospel in all circumstances, whether we're in the storm or, or whether we're not or whether we're stepping into somebody else's storm, whether we're enjoying some time around the fire right now in our life and our season. And I think in this is, you know, I'm amazed, like, as I step back and I thought about these last two chapters, like, like do you see how hard Satan is working to take out the gospel. He is trying to hinder Paul's mission and more importantly, Jesus's mission. That's, that, I, I mean, the whole storm, right? The, the whole, this whole scenario, the, 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 the crash, right? The boat breaking up. I mean, all of this is all about destroying the message. And, and then they make it on shore. Like, that's this great miracle. And how, I'm sure Satan was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. Watch this. Like, they all make it past the storm. And then, boom, I take them out with a snake right at the last second. This is going to be awesome. They're all going to go, what is going on? I don't know who God is. What? This is crazy, right? And no. God steps in. And here's the thing. I actually think the snake bite was the catalyst to the conversion of the whole island. You know, in their minds, I think maybe they could have gone like, okay, we've seen other people survive a crash, you know, a boat, you know, shipwreck, right? We've seen that before. We're, we're, you know, this is the island of Malta. This has happened before. This isn't the first time that some ship has wrecked and, and the people survived it. But they've never seen anyone survive a snake bite. And I think this is like, we have to recognize who's in control. Satan's schemes can oftentimes feel like they're, 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 they're winning the day. They can often feel like, you know, there it is. He's got it. He's got to put it down. There it is. Oh, there's no way, right? It's, it's done. But no, God's in control. And Satan's schemes are actually open doors to building his kingdom. Unbelievable. Like, I just, I just, I don't know that this whole island would have recognized other, you know, I mean, you got the healing piece too, right? But, but don't, don't miss this viper bite. That, that if Paul had not had gotten bitten by that snake, would that island have been transformed? And this is reality in our own lives that we would not allow the storms that come we wouldn't allow the snake bites that are harassing us to, 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 to distract us or to make us feel like we're defeated and we have no chance. In essence, it's that moment when we're at our lowest, when Satan has beat us down with all the circumstances of life that seem so overwhelming and beyond what we can handle, that it's at that point then the doors of evangelism open up, the doors of mission open up, the doors of Jesus' way open up, and people come to Christ. The only way Satan wins if we 
give in to the fear and the doubt that he's trying to conjure up in us. And even that win, if he wins that battle, he's still not going to win the war. So I think, you know, the author of Acts, Luke, is here, is trying, kind of at the end, giving us this final kind of encouragement, like, don't lose sight of the mission. It's not over. Like, this is not just a story about Paul. This is not just a story about what he did in his evangelist efforts. No, no, no. This is about the mission going forward for all time. Matthew 24, verse 14, talks about the end will come when? After. This gospel has been preached to all the world. That is the goal. That is the, that's, that's the mission. That's where we're headed. And so we continue to walk this path uh, with Jesus on mission with him. To build and strengthen the kingdom of God wherever he leads us. To anyone who is before us. And we trust him knowing that Satan is going to try to disrupt that, knowing that he's going to try to squelch that message. He's going to try to take us out. He's going to try to keep us back. He's going to try to keep us fearful. He's going to try to keep us in doubt. He's going to try to keep us out of the way and just kind of going along with our life. But we don't have to give in to him. Be ready. Be open. Be a part of the mission that Jesus is on. Do you see him? Are you aware of him? Do you recognize it? Jump in, even if it seems crazy. Even if it's out your, outside your comfort zone. Matter of fact, usually when it's outside your comfort zone, that's how you know it's probably from Jesus. Now, most striking, I think, uh, as I read this last chapter, and maybe it was to you as I read it aloud this morning, is the last few verses where the Jews come to Paul and he shares about Jesus and he shares this message about him being the Messiah and Jesus coming and, and dying and resurrecting from the dead. And, and I, I'm sure he shared his own testimony, of course, of how he had persecuted, you know, the, the early Christians, the early believers, and, and then how he had this encounter on the Damascus Road. Now, all of that, I'm sure, is in this piece. And some of the Jews believe him and are on board give their life to Jesus, become a Christian or adopted into the family. But others disagreed with him. And then Paul, in some sense, is quoting, he's quoting Isaiah 6, but he's, he's quoting similar to what Jesus has said as well when he was dealing with the Pharisees. This crazy passage about how, you know, Isaiah says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's hearts has grown dull and their ears, they can barely hear and their eyes, they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. And then he says, therefore, let it be known to you, those who have rejected Jesus, that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. And they will listen. 
why would you end a book this way? And I think, again, the reason that it's ended this way is because, again, I think Luke is wanting to encourage us as we join Jesus in the mission to understand that the gospel is indeed for all people. Why did the Jews and the Pharisees reject Jesus? Why do they reject him? A, part, a big part of the rejection, certainly they're rejecting him because, you know, he's saying I'm God. You know, there's that, that issue, right? But, but big as well, just as big was the fact of who he was after, who he's hanging out with. He was going to the outcasts. He was going to the prostitutes. He was dining with sinners. He, even he starts his ministry with Isaiah 61, right? The, I'm coming to heal, right? I'm coming to, for the poor. I'm coming to take care of those who are, are out, right, or not, right? He's, he's coming to heal those who are sick, not take care of those who are healthy. So a big reason why the Jews and the Pharisees rejected Jesus was because the message was for people that they thought didn't deserve the message. And we see throughout the book of Acts, over and over again, the tension the early church even had was this tension of who is the gospel message for? Is the gospel just for Jews? Or is it for Gentiles as well? In other words, is it for the whole world? I think that Luke is using Paul's words here, quoting from Isaiah 6, as a way to encourage us, those who are joining Jesus in his mission to save every human being on the planet, to recognize that it's for every human being on the planet. He's warning us to not exclude certain people groups or certain individuals from the gospel. To not exclude certain people from the grace of Jesus, right? The, the grace of God. We as Christians, as those who have been adopted into the family of God, must not reject any who are lost. Because everyone who is lost is who Jesus is pursuing. There is no one outside of God's grace. There is no one beyond his transforming power. Now there is free will and each individual gets to choose whether they will be transformed or not. However, if they choose, no matter how dark they are, no matter how depraved they are, no matter how evil they are, no matter how many they've killed, no matter how many they've destroyed, they can still be transformed. They can still be saved. They still can be adopted into the family of God. And so I think we have to evaluate. To, this is an opportunity to check our own hearts. Is there anyone in our life 
Is there any people group in our life that we have put, in out, put outside, that we have cast out into the cold, who we have decided are beyond God's grace, or at least don't deserve it? I'm struck by Matthew 5, 44 and 45, where he's talking about, you know, this idea that, you know, you're supposed to hate your enemy. And Jesus says, no, 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 you're supposed to love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Who have you put on the outs? Maybe it's an individual you know personally that's hurt you in the past. Maybe it's an individual you just know about and you've heard about all the evil things they've done. Maybe it's, uh, you know, politically based, you know, Trump or Biden. They're certainly outside of God's grace, right? Maybe it's a, a group of people like those who would live a homosexual reality. Maybe those who are transgender, you know, they, they're outside of God's grace. We don't need to reach out to them. We don't need to share the gospel with them. They, they've, they've chosen their side. I think, you know, relevant right now in our world is, and to this particular topic, is Hamas. Are they outside of God's grace? because of what they've done. Indeed, they're evil. Indeed, what they did was horrible. Are they outside of God's grace? When you think of the war in, in Israel and, and, and when you pray for that, do you pray for both sides? You know, I think that's where it starts. It's prayer. If you've got somebody in your life that you just can't forgive or you just can't, no, I'm not sharing the gospel with them. Again, I'm reminded of Jonah, right? No, I'm not going to that city, God. They're too evil. They've done too many horrible things to us, to my family, to my people. And I know, God, you're gracious and I know if I go and I share the gospel with them, they're going to convert. You're going to have grace on them. It starts with prayer. If you've got somebody that you just, you've, it's in that category of, nope, I, that, beyond God's grace, nope, I, nope, they're not, I'm not going to share. It starts with prayer. And I would just encourage you, if you have someone like that in your life that you would, or a people group that you'd begin to pray for them. And the prayer is not, Lord, strike them down. <laughs> the Lord is bless them. The prayer is, Lord, bless them. Lord, draw them to yourself. Lord, reveal their wicked ways. Open their hearts to your kingdom, to your love.
All right. Worship team, why don't you come on up? This book of Acts has uh, been a book, certainly, of revival. I praise the Lord that we, this year, have got to experience some of that revival even here. We, this is part of what we're going to be celebrating on December 2nd, is the amazing things that God has been doing in our church and through our church this year. Things that look a lot like revival. And we can praise the Lord for that. But also recognizing as we close this book of Acts that it's a book uh, of, of mission. That the revival isn't done. You know, the re revival always starts in our own hearts. But it's again never meant to stay there. Salvation doesn't start and end here. Oh, salvation always works its way through. It's always meant to be passed on. And so as a church, we need to continue to seek to be on mission with Jesus. As we get to know him, as we become more aware of him, that we would follow him and join him in all that he's doing. That we would have the courage to step out of our comfort zones when he tells us to step out. That we would have the courage to speak when we don't know what to say. When we would that we would have the courage, even though the whole world around us is just in turmoil and chaos, and we don't know what's coming, but that we would have the courage to take that step of faith today, no matter how crazy it, mean, it feels to us. Church, we need to continue to recognize that our relationship with Jesus Christ is not a relationship that is meant to just, you know, kind of for us to just sit around and enjoy by ourselves in our own little cozy fireplace, right, you know, and in our own homes, in our own spaces. Uh, the, the, the amazing reality of knowing and encountering Jesus is that we get to join him in transforming the entire planet. The word of God, the, the kingdom of God, dwells within us. And because of that, we have the power to transform, not on our own strength, but with the power that comes from Jesus, transform all that is around us so that it too gets to enjoy being part of the kingdom of God. All right, will you stand with me and let's continue to worship together. Oh God, you are worthy. Thank you so much for just being here with us today. We thank you for how you've just moved in this service in different ways through all the different elements. And just thank you for your goodness in that, that, Lord, you choose to continue to be active and involved in our lives and in this church. Uh, we just thank you for that. Help us to continue to be aware and recognize uh, your presence with us and be able to hear your voice, Lord. And, Lord, give us the courage to follow you as well. Lord, we do want to be a part of what you're doing. We, we want to join you in it all. We thank you for your word that uh, sets out this vision of the Christian life and gives us these perspectives, but also exhorts us and encourages us to follow you in it. So, Lord, just, we, we want that. That's our desire, but you know we're sinful people. We, 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 we're depraved. We, we continue to fall back into those patterns of sin. And Lord, we are once again find ourselves dependent, dependent on your love and your grace. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are not going to give up on us, that you're going to be faithful to us through the end. And Lord, help us as we encounter again that love that we would 
be vessels that you can use to share that love with the world. Lord, I, 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 I want to read chapter or a few verses out of Isaiah 61, words that Jesus spoke at the beginning of his ministry. But Lord, I, I just uh, hear in this a call for us. And so, Lord, I, I want to read it in, in, in the, you know, a, a, the personal tense, the, the, in, in, in our words, Lord, may you hear us declare these things before you today. Because, Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. Because the Lord has anointed us. Anointed us to bring good news to the poor. Sent us to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that we may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. In Jesus' name. Thank you, church, for being with us this morning. Uh, just uh, encourage you to stick around if you'd like for some more worship. We've got a couple more songs. And come, come forward for prayer. We'd love to pray for you. And if you're ready to do some worship and fellowship, then I encourage you just to head out into the fellowship hall and, and jump into that. And God, uh, may, uh, may God bless you today. Uh, thank you for being here.